Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, it's Mary Stone on the screen porch. What a freezing start to a morning we had. There were ice crystals on the windows this morning, which brings a smile. Winter is on its way, not officially here yet, but we had our first bit of snow on Sunday, just a few inches, but there were big fat flakes that fell and coated the branches. It's so magnificent how a few inches can make a winter wonderland. I want to thank those of you that reached back about your holiday decorating traditions. But I have to say, one of the most unusual ones came by way of stumbling upon it. So it wasn't an email or anything, but this is kind of a fun story. We decided to take a walk on the Paulinskill Rail Trail and enjoy the fat flakes falling from the sky. And as we proceeded down the road, and it is kind of like a road, it's where a train used to run through it. And so it's a beautiful flat trail that you can walk along. And uh, I almost considered cross-country skiing it, but there wasn't quite enough snow. Anyway, we came upon a hemlock tree gussied up for Christmas. It was kind of neat because it was tucked up in the hill a little bit. So you'd have to kind of notice it or look for it with red glistening bulbs, and there were even some cute little birdhouse-looking ornaments. So lovely. And we came upon a fellow dog walker, and she had pointed it out as well, and we both just marveled at somebody taking the time to do such a thing. It really was a beautiful moment. So I, I wondered who did it. I posted on Facebook thanking whoever the mystery decorator was, and it turned out to be somebody I know in town. So there you go doing something beautiful like that just lifted many of us that walked on the trail. So we can do such small little things and bring such big smiles, can't we? This week, I look forward to talking about one of my most treasured trees, an umbrella pine. I didn't think we'd get to one of the annual traditions of lighting her up for the holidays, which became a column topic that starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. Hopefully your holiday hustle is coming to a close and you're ready to sit back and enjoy the reason for the season. I thought we'd forgo the tradition of decorating one of my favorite evergreen conifers, the umbrella pine. It stands above the two-story roof, so it's not an easy task. Last year, half the new lights failed way before Christmas. It's true, we bought these new strands of lights and went through the process of putting them all up, and within a few weeks, half of the lights died, so it was really kind of strange. So it lessened the enthusiasm to light up the tree this year, but dear Kurt got back in the saddle and purchased a slew of new strings to decorate the tree. After an admirable attempt at reiterating the botanical name, Skyadopides verticulata, he concluded, it sounds like a dinosaur, and it is. The umbrella pine, also known as the Japanese umbrella pine because of its origin, is considered a living fossil. Fossils with the plant date back 230 million years from when dinosaurs walked our world. The way the two-toned dark and light green flat waxy needles whirl around each stem in an umbrella-like fashion even looks prehistoric. We spoke about another living fossil a few weeks ago, ginkgo biloba, 
I wonder if they shared the same root space those millions of years ago. I marvel at the thought, and I marvel at how something as soft as trees can survive beyond the strength of dinosaurs. It's interesting when you look up the history of dinosaurs and how the name came to be. The word dinosaur comes from the ancient Greek word dinos, which means terrible, and soros, which means lizard or reptile. To think these gentle, glorious plants survive the beasts roaming the earth and millions of years beyond them. There's a lesson in that. You know, as I was writing this story, I happened to be listening to the Tao Te Ching. Wayne Dyer um, has a book that uh, is about living the wisdom of the Tao. And in verse 36, which happened to be the one I tuned into, part of it talks about how the gentle outlasts the strong and how the obscure outlasts the obvious. So thinking about the soft, tender trees that outlive the dinosaur is just kind of an expression of that, isn't it? It's fun to imagine ginkgo and umbrella pines being great friends 230 million years ago. They indeed make a lovely combination in the landscape today. You may know that trees communicate with each other and need each other to survive, just as we do. Peter Wollabine writes in The Hidden Life of Trees what they feel, how they communicate, discoveries from a secret world. But why are trees social beings? Why do they share food with their species and sometimes nourish their competitors? The reasons are the same for human communities. There are advantages in working together. That explains why there are more old trees in the forest than those living on their own as standalone trees. So it's very curious as you read through that book, and I've actually written a little bit more about it in a previous story, which I'll put a link in the show notes, but it is the mycorrhizae, which is a fungus, that is how trees communicate. It's really very fascinating. We spoke about that in episode 34, Forest Bathing. Willowwood champion trees you may wish to revisit or tune into if you haven't done so already. Our dinosaur, our umbrella pine, sits to the right of the garage giving it protection from winds, which is what Michael Durr advises if you're planting the tree in zone 5. We're actually technically a 6, but with the winds and the elevations that we have, I consider our area a 5B, and so it was important to give it a little bit of wind protection. I have to give you a little bit of warning that umbrella pines are kind of on the expensive side. They're pretty rare to find as well, especially finding them large because they are technically slow growing, although ours has been a little bit different than that, I would say. Our prize tree cost $300, if I recall, and that was the wholesale price, and it was five feet tall. And we're talking about 19 years ago, so it tippy tops over the roof line at this point. And while they say it's a very slow grower, six inches a year, mine must be speedier than most. She's also looser in form, which I theorize has to do with being in the afternoon shade. But that may not be the reason, after all. While acidic soil and full sun are best, which means six hours or more a day, part sun, three to six hours, works as well. And late afternoon shade is beneficial in hotter zones. So the Skyadopides reticulata is hardy from zones 5 to 7. So if you're more towards the 7 zone, then having that afternoon shade is a good thing. I've since learned specimens often loosen in form as they grow older. Sound familiar? <laughs> Branches become more pendulous and spreading, writes Michael Durr. 
The neat thing is that the prized plant, striking reddish-brown exfoliating bark, is more visible because of its looseness, making it a perfect tree to decorate. I especially love how the snow coats the branches. It goes to show that aging is beautiful. Did I mention this living fossil is deer-resistant? Maybe that's why it survived all these years. <laughs> Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com Speaking of deer, I just stood up and I'm looking out upon the yard and the brook and there are, let's see, I think three deer out there clawing away at the snow to find some green grass to eat. They are so dark in fur this time of year. It's an interesting thing how they shift in color. Two of them are staring at me and they're at least 30 feet away. They are very, very, very cautious now this time of year because it is hunting season. Anyway, thanks so much for coming by. I always enjoy our time together on the screen porch. And I want to thank you again, that person who decorated the hemlock tree on the Pollenskill Rail Trail. I know you're from town, and I just think it gives us all a little inspiration to do something small that can bring such big smiles to those of us that come upon them. Anyway, thank you again for coming by. I look forward to our chats on the screen porch, and I hope you have as well. And if so, please share the podcast with a friend or two so more can join us in learning and growing in the garden of life. Thanks so much. See you next time. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.